is the season. Yes, JV to the pros is doing season four, episode 35, and episode 35 happens to fall on the Christmas episode. That is right. Away, hell yeah. Come on, Frank. Sing it to me. <laughs> Come on, crowd. That's Frank singing. <laughs> that is Frank Sinatra bringing it in. Well, tis the season for mega sports. Tis the season for wild finishes in the NFL. Christmas came early for several NFL teams this year in some of the most exciting, classic finishes in NFL history. Teams who were penciled in to win their divisions were erased and replaced by teams that just didn't stop playing week after week 10. It got to week 10 and people thought, okay, they're done. Oh no, they kept playing. Some teams... Some teams have lost some heartbreakers in the in the past few weeks, while one team in the AFC South, who will remain unnamed for the time being, as the team to not be a factor in that division, have gotten their groove on in the past five weeks and have challenged everybody in their path for the past month, month and a half. And, and have even broken the hearts of America's team in a thriller that went the whole 60 minutes and then some. And they spent some time in overtime, but not much time in overtime. And that unnamed team for now has gone from, we'll see you next year, to making a run in that division. Yeah. I will specify these unnamed teams once I get into the sports segment of the show, one team that will also remain unnamed for the time being in the NFC West has found a way to open the door for their Pacific Northwest rival to step in and win that division, forcing this unnamed team to have to carve their own path into the playoffs via the wildcard bracket. I mean, I I had this team for sure probably winning this division running away. But then that's why they play the game. So I'm going to chat with you about, um, I'm going to talk about one team in particular that started this season one and six, all but done. Only to go six and one since then. They start one and six, and then they go six and one. You talk about literally turning things around. That's that's flipping the script. I'm going to talk about the fabulous, fabulously exciting and competitive AFC East, as it originally looked like all four teams in that division would find a seat in the playoff table. Well, the holidays have cast a new light on it, but now two 
of the four teams in that division. They might be outside looking in and watching the big people eat at the big holiday dinner table while they're sitting at the kiddie table with the rest of the teams that failed to hit their stride down the stretch. And we all know that my heart is in the AFC East, so I'll get into that a little bit later. I want to talk about the horribly bad NFC South, which is being led by a team with a losing record. The team that is leading that division has a losing record, and it looks like that unnamed team, led by the GOAT, might win that division and get to host at least one playoff game, even with a losing record, while other teams with winning records will be wandering into the playoffs with a winning record and have to travel to play on the road. (sighs) I want to talk to you about the greatest comeback in NFL history, the greatest deficit ever overcome. Until this week, That was the Buffalo Bills coming back from down 32 points. They rallied against the Houston Oilers back in 1992 after trailing 35-3 and then forced overtime to beat the Oilers 38-35. Well, that used to be the greatest comeback, the greatest deficit ever overcome, and that used to be the greatest in NFL history, but a team, which will be unnamed for the time being, that team not only rallied back in record-breaking fashion, but also won their division and punched their ticket into the playoffs all at once while setting the records, set, rewriting the record books. Um, I'm going to make um, quick mention of the most popular sport in the world, um, and that's who won the championships in the who cares in America part of the show. I know we have listeners in Europe who love this very slow, low-scoring sport that starts, but there's no real assurance of when it will end and no real answer as to why the field is so huge, causing the players to spend part of the afternoon simply kicking the ball down the field to the opponent's end of the field, only to have someone on that side of the field just boot it back to your end, only to have someone on your team boot it back to them, and so on. I don't understand why in this sport players that come within a yard of one another fall down and and act like they're in the kind of pain that should send them into the hospital. But, you know, only to have the play continue and then they just get up once they know that there won't be a penalty assessed on the phantom illegal hit. And uh, they're grabbing their leg or their shin or their knee as if it's about to fall off until the play moves down the field along with the camera. And then they just get up and begin running again. (sighs) Then if that's not insulting enough, when there is a real penalty, the entire team being penalized acts like the ref just spit in their mother's face. Drama, drama, drama. I will give minimal time to announce who won this silly, boring, slow World Cup. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Anyway, since it's the end of the year, um, I'm also going to talk about celebrities that we lost this year. I also want to tell you, uh, a lot of people um, at the gym and uh, when I'm out and about have been asking about um, where I have been, what's been going on. Well, um, since I did the show last, I've had... um, 
two movies offered to me, and that comes with negotiations, with reading the script, with dealing with the director. With One of the um, films, I was asked if I would rewrite the scene, and I rewrote the scene. I thought it was a great rewrite, and I added a character, and... Um, well, I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little um, I'm gonna do a little ambush, and you guys know that I'm pretty good at this. So let's see uh, let's see what happens here. Um, I want to uh, see if this thing pulls. Oh, there it goes. Okay, so um, I'm gonna see if Jack. I can. Hey, Tomlin. Hey, <laughs> hey, Tomlin. What's going on, my friend? I I I am going to I'm going to I'm going to just alert you that I'm I'm doing my uh weekly podcast uh JV to the pros and uh I know I talked to okay. you this about this uh when we were on Promised Land but um um I want to let the audience know who I have on the on the phone I uh, I I ambushed one of the producers of my TV series Promised Land and uh he had come up with kind of a unique way of keeping an eye on his investment uh Tomlin actually did some extra work just to watch how everything was going and make sure things are moving along and the money is being spent wisely but Tomlin you are on the show right now I'm actually doing the show live right now and I wanted to just kind to get you in here and um i wanted to talk about a little bit without giving up too many details um about the movie that we're gonna um start shooting next week right after christmas and uh, i was explaining to the audience that i um <clears throat> that i was asked to kind of do a little rewrite on that scene and i brought in an additional character and the director liked what we did with it and um i think it's going to be i think it's going to be an exciting day or two of shooting but um, what did you what did you think? I mean, you know, you're okay with coming on the show, right? I'm on your podcast right now. Yeah, yeah, I've got you. I literally have you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's okay. it's it's an ambush. You're not the first. You're not the first person I've done this to. Where I just call somebody and I'm already rolling, you know. But um, yeah, you're on the podcast right now. Now I um through the grapevine, I know you were um <clears throat> you were shooting. Um, you were shooting something down at the airport uh, yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shooting last night at the airport, and uh, it actually wasn't at the airport. It ended up being. Um, it uh, So apparently we were supposed to shoot at the airport, but you have to have security at the airport. And half their security detail that was going to be on the film set was sick with uh, the flu, COVID, you know that kind of thing and that so, kind of thing it's just a rumor i don't think it's real it's fake fake news I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they call it it's the holiday it's the blue <laughs> flu it's funny <laughs> yeah, so so, we, so we let me let me ask let me ask you something it came out really good i got yeah, i, I got really good underground parking lot is what we did we're supposed to be back there hopefully right after uh the first of the year and, and do the airport scene yeah oh you'll have security yeah, you'll be you'll be cleared by then i well yeah i i should be clear i mean i hope i'm not you know ill at that point no i meant security wise security yeah i hope so i hope so i i don't know you know so uh um yeah it's bullet catch films raul Erliara is his name yeah. and he's a great director great filmmaker he's done a couple films here in san diego and it's a really great film land of wolves is the name of the film 
Oh yeah, okay. I'm I, I'm actually familiar with that score. I actually worked with him on. Uh, I co-starred on Night Hunter. Remember I remember it? that. Yeah, I was I, I was I was the detective investigating the um, the serial killer. Yes. Yeah. I do remember that. I saw. <laughs> I was there at your guys' uh, your screening. Yeah. Over yes, over over at Grossman, huh? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So you were there. Um, so, so, so you were shooting. Now I know. You, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have like four or five or six pages of script? Uh, yeah, I did. It's uh, quite a bit of dialogue. I think I got most of it down. Luckily, we weren't shooting everything. Is the way I thought. What do you mean you think? What do you mean you think you got most of it down? When did you start? When did you start <laughs> memorizing it? When did, when did you start uh, memorizing it? <laughs> About uh, maybe thirty six hours before the shoot. <laughs> oh, you mean you like the it day was, before, uh, like the day before you started memorizing five or six pages of script? I did. Yeah. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Yeah. I know. Santa's not going to be I happy know. with you. <laughs> I know. I only I got the script like four days beforehand, and so I just didn't have time doing production on the film we're working on, and uh, you know, so I didn't have it. But actually, I really, you know, I I did crunch, did my crunch time. You know, it was finals, had to get it done. Luckily, the scene we were shooting yesterday, I really had a good grip on, and it, it came out good. I, uh, you know, I was kind of going into it with my own perception. He gave me some direction on it, and uh, it actually worked out really good. It worked out really well. Okay, well, let me let me ask you something. Um, let's get back to um, to the project we're doing uh, next week without giving up too much in the way of detail. Um, you know, I I I. I spoke with the director and we did a, we did a little rewrite on that scene. Uh, I think, I think you liked what I did with it, although I didn't have the rest of the script to be able to figure out, you know, direction and everything. But, um, I think he liked, I think he liked it. I think you liked it, the rewrite, right? Absolutely. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. And, and I'm sorry. I thought I had sent you the whole script. I'll send you the whole script. So you don't. And, oh, and I, <laughs> yeah. I would like just to a little, <laughs> little rewind. I thought that's why you were calling me tonight. I thought you were calling me like you didn't get the script. And I'm like, oh, no. That's somebody else's. All, get the all I got, here. all I got was the, all I got was my scenes. And, um, and then I added, I added, the character that I, I had somebody in mind for to play um, to play that character along with me in the scene and and the director liked that idea he liked he liked that a lot and I thought okay good and and then the scene seemed to flow but I don't have any knowledge of the whole rest of the script but I certainly have a grip on this scene you know the scenes well, we're shooting get you over the script right yeah i'm gonna well, get you over the script no rush i'm doing a podcast so tonight so um okay. <laughs> but um but i'm looking forward i'm looking forward to working with you i mean working with you on promised land you were just kind of watching out for your investment as as doing extra work while i'm sitting there you know starring on the show and then and then you and i ended up connecting i had no idea i'm sitting there chatting with you and you're one of the pr producers of the show i had no idea you were an investor <laughs> yes yes that's right so uh, so amazon prime jaron hall Robin, right so anybody and, goes on yeah. amazon prime 
and pull up Promised Land, no D in the middle, all one word, Promised Land, and uh, you'll see our project, and I'm I'm starring as Matthias Golden, and um, I, I was going to say to you, um, I don't know if you know about another film that I um, that I shot this year called Sellout. Are you familiar with Sellout um, with Steve? And um, I played a, a CSI um, investigator. <laughs> what? Yes, I know why, Sellout. Why are you laughing? I came in on that film. I wasn't a producer in it. I'm CSI three. You don't remember me in that film with you? Uh oh. You were on, you, you, wait a second. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, hang on, hang on, hang on. If you remember right, I have a, I have a, um, a retired cop car that I brought to the set that was supposed to be used. And by complete fluke, the director saw me standing on set holding a cup of coffee. And he said, the only thing he's missing is a jacket that says CSI. And then he gave me some lines and I was just kind of winging it. But I mean, everything was very much a blur. And, if I remember right, we got on set like seven o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning. And I had been working till like four o'clock the night before. Like I only got like an hour, an hour and a half sleep. And I brought the car to the set. And the next thing I know, I'm shooting for the next eight or nine hours. So you were, you were in this, were you in the scene with me? I was, and I, I'm going to say it's probably, I don't think it was that day because Jaron calls me up and says, yeah, man, I need you in this film. We need another CSI in here. And I, I came in and I was the guy out guarding the ropes is basically what I was doing and pushing all the looking. Oh, the, the, the keeping the crowd back from the crime scene. That's right. Oh, yeah. dude, I, you know what? I, I am so sorry. As a matter of fact, I actually took, I actually t took my car from the set, not realizing, um, I'll let the audience know what they did was they, they greeted my cop car with, um, magnetic decals that look like they were decals on to make it look like a cop car for the area and they covered i remember yeah they covered the emblem of the car and they and they took the license plates off so when i left the car was still greeked i'm literally driving a car that that really shouldn't be on the road because i should have put the license plates back on and stuff and i just wanted to go home and go to sleep <laughs> so, so i apologize so you worked on sellout as well I, I, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, you I know was what? In there with you. We yep. it never came up when we were on yeah, I, I, Promised uh, Land. I did. Uh, I, I guess you were already gone. I do like a comical scene at the at the end of it with donuts and coffee <laughs> and back, yeah. around yeah. the dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> around, around the dead bodies, we're doing breakfast, bre donuts, and coffee. That, that was, I mean, we're being so casual about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad I didn't go to acting school to play the guy with the toe tag. But uh, yeah, yes, that's, that's right. That's right. I'll... Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you're going to have to invite me when when um your project with Raul comes. You know, I'll come take a look and see what that what that finished product is like. And of course, we've still got sellout coming up, so we'll we'll have to find seats next to each other at the theater for that. But um, but yes. I want to I want to thank you for investing in a very good project in promised land i mean that that's a good bet i mean i can't believe <clears throat> how many people i've run into that sit there and go yeah i've seen the show it's it's very good it's a very good show and i'm like we're very proud of it we should be back in production probably in the next couple of months right i'm hoping i mean i'm figuring jaron i 
I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, even the scene where I was, uh, you know, extra, just basically right behind you there in the restaurant scene with you and Connie, is just a brilliant scene that went on. I absolutely loved everything that went on with it. The direction, the camera work, the acting was just superb you, you know what was, um it's funny because I, I i believe fred we have two directors on that show and i think fred instead of tom was directing when when we had the scene with um with connie and they're trying to poison me and connie takes a sip of my drink and that's with the poison and it's a very romeo and juliet-ish type scene <clears throat> without giving away too much i originally read that script thinking that my character was supposed to absolutely explode at the idea that he's about to maybe lose his wife. And Fred, on a dime, came over and he said, Here, here's what we need. We need you to soothe her. We don't need you to yell at her. We need you to... And I literally had to do a 180 on the character development on that scene in front of everybody on the cast and crew, all the extras, everything, and, and just do a flip. And Fred grabbed me afterwards... Um, when I was getting changed and he said, I got to tell you, I thought that was going to be a bust because the idea that you were all wound up to do this scene explosively and I was telling you it needs to be more subdued and you just flipped the switch. I thought, oh my God, I could work with this guy constantly. I, and coming from Fred with 40 years experience directing and he thought that was a bit much to turn the ship around. And now that I know that you're an investor on the show and there you are watching I mean, you were there when, when I went from Dolores to Dolores. Could stay with me, baby. I love you. You know, and 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 Fred didn't think that was going to be an easy transition. I mean, you remember seeing that? I absolutely do. Yes, and it was and Fred Ashman. Fred, Fred Ashman, Ashman just, the great Fred Ashman. That's right. Yes, and it was brilliant. I mean, he really did it. I, I totally remember what you were talking about, it, that you are sitting there just wanting to be heated on it, and he's breaking you down saying, no, you can't be like this. You yeah, hit the brakes. Yeah, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. It came out so good. It oh. came out just brilliant in, in post everything. I mean, it just looked, I love that scene. Thank you, thank I'd you. I love to be involved in that scene, yeah. Thank you very much. Please charge now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, Fred Ashman. Fred Ashman. I believe that he directed, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I'm going to say three, four, five episodes. And then one, two, maybe six, seven, eight was, uh, was Tom Logan. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, so they, so they, they, they just split, split their, they split their time. That way, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to thank you very much for coming on. I mean, I, I, I know I kind of, I kind of ambushed you, and I know you just got done shooting, and I know, <laughs> so I apologize. But I wanted to get you, I wanted to get you on because I know you just got done shooting, and we're going to shoot next week. And after we're done, after we're done with post on this project that we're shooting next week, I'll have you back on, and we'll talk about the experience, you know, shooting it, and and you know how the finished product is, and and so on and so forth, and then we'll get a chance to enjoy the fruits of our labor 
Sounds great. And okay. so the project we're working on is the resellers. Oh, I wasn't going to yeah. say it, but okay, we can say it. You're the boss. If you say it, if you say it, it can be said. Yeah, I'm producing it. The resellers. I'd love to say it on your podcast. Right, the resellers. Actually, this is the first time it's been said right here on your podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. That's an exclusive. <laughs> well, Cheers. Tomlin. I want to. I want to thank you very much. I'm gonna see you next week. I wish you a very merry Christmas, and I'll see you um, next Wednesday, the 28th. We'll uh, get together and we'll we'll grind out and create some good footage. Sounds great. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All right. Thanks a lot, Tomlin. You take care. And that was Tomlin being ambushed. <laughs> by me the producer from Brahma's Land and several other projects and then I find out he's also on re on, on um, sellout with me and we're doing resellers which I wasn't I didn't think I was uh, given the permission to to say what that is but uh, we got the permission because he's the boss so he says that's the first time anybody has gotten to hear that the name of the film we're going to be shooting next week is resellers all right now let's get back to the show so before i took that little uh, <laughs> impromptu break i was talking about um the world cup and um first of all i understand that scoring is very low in the world cup and the world cup is boring and it moves along slowly but apparently one guy got a hat trick which is enormous. It's it's much harder to do that in soccer than it is in hockey. So one guy got a hat trick, which pushed this game into a shootout. And then the shootout ended up coming down to the final kick. And France, um, I think Argentina beat France. And that's that. But the World Cup has been decided. Cutter did everything they could illegally. And broke all the rules and still managed to host the World Cup. Congratulations, FIFA. The blood is on your hands. All right. So, this is the end of the year. And um, I want to um, talk about celebrities that, um, that we've lost in entertainment and the world of sports this year. And... Um, uh, I want to talk about certain names that are gone and what they meant to me personally. And not all of these names have a personal connection to me, although I would safely say I'm one degree of separation from almost everybody in show business. So <clears throat> I'm going to deal with that a little later in the show. Um, I have a few extreme news stories to share with you as 2022 winds down. I also want to talk to you about an upcoming film that I've been cast in, and I am waiting to get permission on that, and it looks like we're going to be shooting that probably after the Super Bowl. So we got some exciting stuff coming up um, in the next couple of months. Um, I do want to thank Tomlin for coming on the show <laughs> by being cornered and ambushed. <laughs> and he was a real good sport about it, so obviously I owe him one. All right, let's get this party started. As many of you know, I live in sunny, beautiful San Diego, and I do the show from here in San Diego. Well, a story lit up the national news wire in which a man is strongly suspected of killing his girlfriend 
who is from a close suburb here in San Diego, which is Ramona. And which Ramona is only about a half hour drive from where I am at the beach. It's up in the mountains. And her body was found at a nature preserve in Portland, Oregon. And this guy is in the wind. So <clears throat> that makes him a suspect. Plus they have other forensics evidence. Anyway, San Diego is on high alert as this suspected murderer apparently has a child here in San Diego. And those close to the suspected murderer believe that he is on his way back to San Diego to retrieve his child and bring his eight-month-old son with him as they think he will probably take his son with him on the run as they more than likely will probably try to cross the border and hide in Mexico. So, San Diego on high alert as the fugitive task force is... Um, searching for them, and they've decided to afford all agents available to find this suspected killer. Jose Caraballo and the now-deceased Catherine Mulbach moved to Portland to start a moving company. Now, employees of the moving company have reported very strange behavior from Caraballo just before Mulbach's body was found. Well, I mean, this is this goes right along the way, you know, those Dateline shows go, you know. <clears throat> Guys acting normal, acts normal, and then all of a sudden he's acting weird, and the timeline lines up to right when the woman was killed. Anyway, Caraballo hasn't been seen since Catherine Mulbach's body was found in that nature preserve. We will be putting pictures of Jose Caraballo on our Facebook page, so please keep your eyes open for the suspected murderer and don't approach him as he is considered very dangerous and probably armed. Not exactly the kind of news anyone who, anybody wants to hear at this time of year or any time of year for that matter. Okay, now here's the fun holiday story. In Ohio... A freeway was showered with loads of money. Now, when this usually happens, it's it's a Brinks truck in which the doors flew open and bags of money bounced out and cars smacked into the bags and money breaks open and it's scattered all over the place. Well, <clears throat> this is when the FBI tries to BS everyone into turning in the money they picked up by saying garbage like they got pictures and video of everyone that picked up money and blah, blah, blah. Well, this is not the case with this story in Ohio. Yes, it was tons of money blasted all over the highway, but nobody is claiming to be missing the money. Now, yeah, there's millions of dollars just blowing all over the freeway in Ohio. You talk about a strange twist to the story. You got all this money and... Um, so people in Ohio were stopping on the freeway to pick up the money, all the money they can gather, and nobody is claiming to be missing this money. Nobody knows where the money came from and police are not able to identify who is missing this enormous amount of money. You know how in recent years people keep bags in their cars for grocery shopping and that kind of thing? Well, drivers were filling those bags with money that was blowing all over Interstate 71 at State Route 48 in Lebanon, Ohio. 
You talk about fortunate folks. Imagine if, if you're someone who normally takes that way home, but on this ominous Tuesday afternoon, you took another way home only to see this on the news when you get home. <laughs> oh, I should have gone that way. That's where all the money was. People say that there's no way to tell how much money was splashed across all the lanes of traffic that day, but it appeared to be enough to buy several homes. And apparently, there's no victim. I'm wondering if maybe some drug dealer had gathered loads of money that his girlfriend didn't know about until she found out. And... uh Maybe she found out that she's not the only girlfriend and decided to make it rain on a random Ohio highway. I don't know. Or maybe, you know, maybe stole it and strapped the bag to the roof and the car hit a bump and the bag broke up. I, I saw how much money this was. And frankly, it looked like millions of dollars. Now, how about this? Someone was told to do a run to the dump with some garbage bags and picked up bags of what they thought was trash and the tailgate of their pickup truck dropped down, allowing the bags to roll out of the pickup truck and then <clears throat> all the money goes flying out of the truck. I mean, I don't know. There's like no way to know how this happened. And it happened on a, on a part of the interstate that doesn't have those freeway cameras that they sometimes have. It just was a blank spot and people began stopping all over the place and as much as they can grab they got to keep so good for them that's a, that's a christmas miracle i tell you anyway but i you know i it's funny i i'm thinking of um i remember one time when i was a kid I went to a funeral, you know, um, a wake, you know, all these Italians were talking about how odd it was that this guy didn't have any bank accounts, but they were sure he earned plenty of money and they wondered where he might have stashed it, you know, and during the reception, after the wake and, and everything, a leg broke on one of the chairs that this one lady was sitting on and she fell over but the leg was hollowed out and rolled up in the leg of the chair was $100 bills stuffed into the wooden leg of the chair. So, of course, they stopped eating and <laughs> they start taking the furniture apart and they begin finding money in books and hidden compartments and tables and the back of a junk drawer in the kitchen and in a bag in the freezer. They... They, they started pulling up the carpet and moving bookcases and, and looking under the sinks. And the whole mourning the death thing, it just fell by the wayside as, as the mourners became scavengers. And I remember watching it. And, and I mean, the house was torn apart. So as a kid, I thought this was rude, but everybody was looking and digging everywhere. And I just stood there confused as money was being found all over the place. And when looking back, I mean, I just wasn't jaded enough to join in. Although, soon after, I probably could have really used that money. But my father's family probably would have stolen it from me while I was sleeping anyway. So I wouldn't have ended up with it anyway. But, um, yeah, I remember that, that that was a kind of a crazy, crazy funeral. Anyway, before going into um, talking about those that we lost in 2022... I'd like to talk to you about someone who doesn't use the word lost 
when representing his clients. Now, this is one of our sponsors, and that is the employer lawyer, Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis. Now, if you have a small business, a company or corporation, and that business is being attacked wrongfully by employees, you call the employer lawyer, Paul Sorrentino. He protects and defends those of you that built something and you'd like to see it continue to prosper. Paul Sorrentino, 619-573-4900 and ask for the employer lawyer, Paul Sorrentino. He will take the worry from you and handle the situation for you while you just continue to run your business and Paul Sorrentino handles the legal end of your issues. You won't be the victim of some disgruntled employee who's trying to get a quick payout. Paul Sorrentino will send a strong message to them and anyone else who thinks your business is an easy target. You call Paul Sorrentino at 619-573-4900 and you tell him you heard about him on JV to the Pros. Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer. Now, Let's talk about some of those high-profile people that we lost in 2022. We lost the star of one of the greatest films ever, The Godfather. James Caan left us this year at the age of 82. Although most people associate James Caan with, with The Godfather, I remember James Caan much more fondly as the star of one of my favorite romantic comedies, Kiss Me Goodbye. And that was with uh, Sally Field and Jeff Bridges and, of course, James Caan. Actually, I think that's my favorite romantic comedy ever. Kiss Me Goodbye. If you want to enjoy a nice romantic comedy, that's the way to go. Because that movie is so much fun. Anyway, Kiss Me Goodbye, James Caan left us at the age of 82. In January 2022, we lost longtime NFL coach, NFL head coach, Dan Reeves, most remembered for his time with the Broncos and the Atlanta Falcons in their Super Bowl runs. Reeves was only 77 years old. Now, these days, 77 is just way, way too young. Although being an NFL coach, you know, that will take its toll. This year, we also lost Peter Bogdanovich at the age of 82. Bogdanovich was known for directing such great films as The Last Picture Show, Paper Moon. Um, and by the way, Paper Moon was nominated for Academy Awards, which starred father-daughter combination Ryan O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill. And it was, cr and, and he also, uh, Bogdanovich also directed the critically acclaimed um, movie Mask, starring Cher. So Bogdanovich at 82, rest in peace. The great and dignified and extremely talented Sidney Poitier died at the age of 94. Now he was synonymous with such films as Raisin in the Sun and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And he won the Academy Award for Lilies in the Field in 1963. My favorite Sidney Poitier film was a film called Shoot to Kill starring Tom Berenger and another celebrity that we lost this year, Kirstie Alley, who passed away at the age of 71 after a brief battle with cancer. 
Now, if you get a chance to see Shoot to Kill, you'll thank me. Portier was older, but still as good as ever when he made this film. Now, this is this film is a great thriller film. So if you want to get into it, that's the way to go. Um, popular um, TV figure Bob Saget died this year under suspicious circumstances that still haven't been cleared up. Saget was the star of the TV series Full House, but his obvious passion was stand-up comedy, although TV paid m much better. But Saget never stopped doing stand-up till the day he died at the age of 65. Superstar rock and pop singer Meatloaf died this year at the age of 74. Now, this was a man that lived life with tremendous passion, and his Bat Out of Hell album, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums ever cut. I think every song on both sides of that album, on both sides of that album, was a hit song. So, Meatloaf at the age of 74, gone too soon. Louis Anderson passed away this year. Um, naturally funny, bigger-than-life comedian got his big break on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And I remember I was watching him that first time he appeared on The Tonight Show, and he was brilliant. And I knew I was watching a star on the rise. And it, it, he was also the star of the critically acclaimed series Baskets. And baskets won several awards and louis anderson was the star of that show now louis anderson left us at the young age of 68 years old we also lost one of my favorite actors who starred in one of my favorite films the big chill william hurt passed away this year to prostate cancer just one week shy of a 70 72nd birthday i still use Hertz monologue from the Big Chill at at some of my auditions. I just think it's awesome. Now I ask you if you just would indulge me for a moment. I would like to play this scene. It's about a minute and a half, and it is absolutely brilliant and hilarious. As William Hurt in the Big Chill discovers a video camera, and he's like, "Uh huh," and he begins to interview himself in real time. So listen to this. So, you came back from Vietnam a changed man. Well, why don't you just tell everybody? Then, in 1972, you returned to the University of Michigan to enter the doctoral program in psychology, but you just couldn't seem to finish that dissertation. I could have i chose not to i'm not hung up on this completion thing then it was onto a series of jobs all of which you quit what are you getting at i was evolving i'm still evolving but your real fame came as a radio psychologist on ksfo in san francisco i wouldn't call it fame exactly i had a small deeply disturbed following what are you doing now? Or I should say, what have you evolved into now? Oh, I'm in sales. What are you selling? I don't have to answer that. Nick, we're leaving. Have you seen Chloe? Harold, we're on the air here. 
Sorry. Sorry, pal. Gotta go. Just answer that last question. I said I've gotta go. I mean, William Hurt, to have developed that scene that way was just awesome. I mean, watching him deciding to interview himself on the fly, I, oh my gosh. Anyway, William Hurt was a week shy of turning 72, and um, he was an Academy Award winner for The Accidental Tourist, um, but he is... He has sadly left us. Now, um, we also lost the third of the three musketeers of stand-up comedy. We lost Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, and Gilbert Gottfried left us this year. He actually died on my birthday at only 68 years old, but he, he had been in bad health for some time. Oddly, with all the massive amounts of money Gilbert made over the course of his career, he had such a reputation of being one of the cheapest guys ever to the point that when he would be on a date, he would hide in the bathroom when he knew the bill for the meal was coming and he'd stay in there until his date paid the bill, and then he'd walk out as if nothing happened. He didn't feel bad. He didn't feel like he had to compensate. He just was crazy, crazy cheap. Um, the country music world and the music world as a whole lost Naomi Judd, who passed away this year, as her family announced that she died due to mental illness at the age of 76. Ray Liotta died in his sleep this year at the age of 67. Now, I loved almost all of Liotta's work except his being cast to play Henry Hill in Goodfellas. I never bought Ray Liotta as Henry Hill. I thought he sounded like a guy from Chicago, not Brooklyn, New York. Even though Goodfellas made Ray Liotta a, a household name, I think Martin Scorsese missed the mark with Leota as Henry Hill. And I'm not the only New Yorker that feels this way. If you listen to the way Ray Leota speaks, that's nothing like how Henry Hill sounds. But Ray Leota did a great, great body of work, a lot of great films. He did a film um, where he played a crooked cop who was interested in this guy's wife, and he begins to sabotage the husband to get him arrested repeatedly so he can get time with his wife and try to win his wife over it is crazy. Anyway, um, Ray Liotta became famous for Goodfellas, but his, his quality work came after that. I can assure you. Um, speaking of Goodfellas, another cast members, a cast member of Goodfellas also passed away this year. And that's Paul Sorvino, Paul Sorvino, who played Paulie, he was a fantastic choice as Paulie and did a great job and had a great career and was good in everything he did. Paul Servino was 83 years old. Now, a household name from the 60s TV hit show Leave it to Beaver was Tony Dow. I was fortunate enough to have worked with Tony Dow on a, on a TV show about 20 years ago. And I was one of the few people on set 
that knew of his legacy from that show. Now, Tony Dow was actually, he was actually complimented when I asked him if I could take a picture um, and keep it for myself. And this was before digital cameras and everything. I wanted a picture of, with Tony Dow that I could keep and treasure. And um, I'll post that picture of myself and Tony Dow on our Facebook page um, when we get done producing the show. By the way, Dow was not only a good actor and a good guy, but he was also a very good director. I mean, a real actor's director. Very easy to understand as to what he wanted from you for the scene. I mean, well, anyway, I don't want to get all into it, but Tony Dow was, was all thumbs up. And... Tony Dow lost his fight with cancer at the age of 77, and it was my honor to have worked with such a great man. We lost one of the most wholesome and pure joys of show business and the co-star of one of the biggest musical films in Hollywood history, Grease. And that, of course, was Olivia Newton-John, who left us this year after battling cancer. Now, she was only 72 years old, and she has missed... Every time we hear her beautiful voice on the radio as they play one of her hundreds of hit songs or we see her when they play Crease on TV again and again. So we're sad to see Olivia Newton-John go. Um, earlier this year, I mentioned about Queen Elizabeth who left us this year at the age of 96. She ruled as queen longer than anyone had ever in the history of England. Her health steadily deteriorated after she lost her husband, Prince Philip, um, the year before. And this woman carried herself with dignity and class throughout her reign as queen. Country music also lost Loretta Lynn at the age of 90. The coal miner's daughter was the queen of country and regarded by the country music industry as not only a pioneer, but a survivor in the music business that when she got in it, was ruled by men. And she broke through and thrived into country music stardom. Angela Lansbury died at the age of 97, best known for murder, she wrote. I can remember being cast in her rival show with Gloria DeHaven and Doris Roberts. Yes, Doris Roberts from Everyone Loves Raymond. This show was crafted by the network to give Murder, She Wrote, a run for their money. Well, Angela Lansbury had a stronghold on, on that time slot, and we were canceled after just six episodes. Um, Robert Pine of Chips fame with uh, Eric Estrada was also on this show, and I'll be posting pictures from The Ladies of Sweet Street was the name of the show that we decided we were going to try to give Murder, She Wrote a run for the money. We'll post pictures from Ladies of Sweet Street on our Facebook page as well. Well, this past Thanksgiving, we lost Irene Cara, best known for her role in the feature film Fame. Well... <sighs> I went to a performing arts school just like the one in fame and I enjoyed watching that New York school being portrayed by the ensemble cast in fame. I thought Irene Cara did a, a superior job in her performance and we all know that that 
if you've seen the movie Fame, we all know that one horribly awkward scene where this innocent young girl is pressured into doing a creepy audition scene for a complete creep of a director. I mean, that's a tough scene to watch. Anyway, Irene Cara did a very, very good job, and we have lost her at the age of 63. The music industry lost a mega talent in Christine McVeigh of Fleetwood Mac. Christine wrote many of the hit songs on the monster popular album, Rumors. I, I don't think you can turn the radio on without listening to something from that Rumors album. McVeigh was 79 years old. Lastly, I'd like to mention that Stephen Twitch boss of the Ellen DeGeneres show fame and the show's DJ. He was uh, sometimes the co-host. He was found dead from suicide in a hotel room in LA. Well, after the Ellen DeGeneres show was canceled, Twitch was suffering from depression. Um, Twitch, actually his, his nickname was Twitch. He got his nickname because he couldn't sit still as a child. He just couldn't stop dancing. And he actually got noticed on a TV show called So You Think You Can Dance. And Ellen saw him on that. And he was quickly added to Ellen's show and was an immediate staple of the show for 22 seasons. The show was canceled earlier this year. And Twitch was only 40 years old. And he is survived by his wife and children. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, hey, what about Julio and Nan Haish? And frankly, I just don't think one-hit wonders and actors-ish like Anne Haish are considered celebrities. I mean, I think you got to do more than one thing in one year at one time to be regarded as a celebrity status. To be candid with you, frankly, my body of work towers over the work of those guys. So... I'm not going to list everybody that passed away this year. I mean, you know, if you had one line in a film that you did many years ago, that's that's certainly not qualifying. So I know there's going to be people that are going to be like, oh, how come you didn't list this person? You didn't list this person. I, I listed those that I think most people would know. And I think that really covered it for this year. Now, let's relax a moment. I'd like to take a moment just for you. Let's talk about how good it would feel to not have that pain in your lower back or your shoulders or your knees. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Well, Rob Van Dam's CBD oil does just that for most people. It relieves pain and soreness in your joints and muscles. Also, if you put JV to the pros in the promo box, you'll save at least 10% off your purchase. How's that, huh? That's like a Christmas gift all by itself. Look, I use this cream and you should too. You go to rvdcbd.com and put JV to the pros in the promo box and save at least 10% off your purchase. Get rid of that pain and soreness with Rob Van Dam's CBD oil. Rob Van Dam is the current reigning heavyweight champion of the WWE, and he's a friend of mine, and he's a friend of the show, and he's been on the show several times, and he is as enjoyable as he is sure his CBD oil can can help you. Go to rvdcbd.com and put JV to the pros in the promo box. You'll thank me. Now, finally, we're going to get into sports. <sighs> okay. 
I'm going to get the World Cup out of the way as quickly as possible. Argentina beat France to win the World Cup, and that's that. Okay. Next stop is the craziness of the NFL. In years past, if Tom Brady had a 17-point lead to start the game, you'd probably change the channel because Brady doesn't give up that kind of lead because he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. For years now, I've been saying and hoping that Brady is done. Well, it seems as though my wish finally has come true. After 20 years of praying, Brady appears to have lost his consistent magic of being able to close out a game once he has a lead. Brady and his Bucks had a 17-point lead against the Bengals only to allow the Bengals to score 27 unanswered points. Yes, 27. Brady would get into the end zone one more time in the game, but like last week against the 49ers, when when they beat Brady, remember they beat Brady like 35 to 7? And that last seven was a late garbage score with most of the Niners first string on the bench. Brady and his Bucks are now six and eight. And still leading that horrible NFC South division, which means they could host a home playoff game. I mean, how wrong is that? And by the way, I want to point out that. This was the first time in Tom Brady's illustrious career that he blew a 17-0 lead and lost the game. Just saying, it catches up with all of us. Trust me. The Bengals, on the other hand, are now leading the AFC North over the Ravens, Pittsburgh, and the Browns. So, ironically, the Ravens, the Browns, and Pittsburgh, the Steelers are all looking up at the defending AFC champions who went to the Super Bowl last year. Now, they went against the Rams. Now, the Bengals are 10-4 and four this year. The Rams have gone in the opposite direction. They are 4-10. and 10. So, the Bengals lost that Super Bowl by one score. One score. And now the Bengals are in a position to maybe make a run for it. I mean, that's a pretty incredible comeback, don't you think? So... So let me let me point out that um, um, if you like that comeback, the Indianapolis Colts went to Minnesota to play the heavily favored Vikings. The Colts jumped out to a 33-0 lead by halftime. Many of the Vikings fans were disgusted and left the stadium. TV ratings dropped off the table as interest dissolved and fans found something else to do. Well, in the second half, the Vikings outscored the Colts 36-3. to Yeah, it was 33-0, and then the Vikings outscored the Colts 36 to 3. This forced overtime, and the Vikings won on a field goal in overtime to beat the Colts and finish the greatest comeback in NFL history. Previously, the greatest comeback was the Bills back in 92 against the Oilers, and the Bills were down 35 to 3. And that was a 32 point lead, and the Bills kept playing, and they ended up winning in overtime 38 35. Now. 
the greatest comeback in NFL history is the Vikings coming back after being down 33 against the Colts. Those that left the game drove home only to find out that they missed out on one of the greatest games ever played by their home team. How would you feel? <laughs> All right, let's talk about shenanigans in the AFC East. <sighs> the AFC East shakes out as the Patriots made a blistering mistake against the Raiders in a tie game as time ran out. The game was tied, which means you go into overtime as soon as you get done downing the ball. Just take a knee and flip the coin and go into overtime. Well, the Patriots decided to begin lateraling the ball as if they needed to score instead of simply just going into overtime and going for it from there. The Patriots began throwing the ball backwards in the hopes of getting a, a break and being able to take off and run to win the game until the Raiders intercepted one of those laterals meant for Mac Jones, and they ran it in for a touchdown with no time on the clock. Just when you think you've seen everything you can see in football, well, then you see this. All right, so uh, now the Patriots have all but been eliminated with their chances to make the playoffs. They had about a 50% chance to make the playoffs with probably the rest of the AFC East, and now their chances are about 20%. <clears throat> I shouldn't be so happy as my Jets in that same division have lost three in a row to the Bills, Vikings, and now the very hot Detroit Lions, as we have Zach Wilson reminding everyone that he's just not NFL quality. He once again made poor decisions, bad throws, missed open receivers, and frustrated his teammates who were very demonstrative on the field as Wilson missed open players again and again. Now, my Jets are at 500, 7-7. Seven and seven. They were 7-4. and four. And they should have had their 10th win this week. But now they're 7-7 seven and seven, and they're outside the playoff picture, just kind of loitering with other 500 teams and hoping someone else will lose and open the door and let us in. Frankly, I blame Zach Wilson absolutely exclusively for this loss to Detroit. Okay, well, the Bills secured their playoff spot and probably the division again as Miami gave them a run for their money, but the Bills escaped with a late field goal to break the tie and get out of Dodge with a hard-fought win. The Bills are the number one seed in the AFC, and they will probably get a bye into the playoffs. Congratulations, Brandy, and all Bills fans everywhere. I'm so happy for you. <clears throat> I predicted in the NFC West that the Seahawks, led by Geno Smith, would probably win that division. Well, the Niners had other plans and have now won the NFC West with that powerful defense that just doesn't give opponents any breathing room. The Seahawks are going to have to wiggle their way into the playoffs by way of the wildcard bracket and can only hope to get a shot at revenge on the Niners in the second or third round of the playoffs.
The AFC West has been won for the seventh time in a row by the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, Mahomie, who looks like he's just having fun playing street football instead of carefully crafted pro football, has led his team to a seventh straight division title. Getting into the NFC East, ah, it has been won by the team that was the last team to step down from the ranks of the undefeated this year. And that's, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles with a 13-1 record and the NFC East division title. Frankly, we might see the entire NFC East make the playoffs this year. I mean, you know, everybody, the Commanders, Dallas, Giants, of course, Philadelphia, everybody looks like, I mean, that would be scary if that whole division gets into the playoffs. Now let's go into the AFC South. The Jaguars just beat the Cowboys in overtime with a pick six to win the game in overtime. The Jaguars are now six and eight, one game behind division-leading Tennessee, who are seven and seven. The Jaguars were supposed to be a speed bump in that division, and now they're in a position to win that division. They're in a position to win the AFC South. I mean... They've hit their stride and they're playing solid football. Trevor Lawrence has come into his own this year and certainly in the last couple of months. And the Jaguars, frankly, they're a real threat in the AFC. And it's exactly the team the Jets are facing on Thursday night football. Isn't that fantastic? All right. At 8-6, and six, the Chargers in the AFC West are very much in the hunt for the playoffs as they beat the Titans giving the Jaguars, of course, the help they needed to catch the Titans. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert is playing absolutely top-notch football and being a great leader and keeping his cool when things get hot. I think the Chargers are about to make some noise down the stretch. I was having dinner tonight with somebody who thought that um, if Justin Herbert keeps it up, yeah, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. If he stays doing what he's doing now, yeah, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback quarterback. All right, shifting gears to baseball for a moment. Aaron Judge did sign a cabillion dollar contract with the Yankees. <sighs> but I'll tell you what, earlier this year, the Yankees offered Judge a $230 million contract extension, but Judge told them that he's betting on himself and he's not signing. Well, Judge hit an American League record 62 home runs and was given a $360 million contract. So betting on himself was worth an additional $130 million. <sighs> I can't wait to talk to our good friend and former center fielder for the New York Yankees, Billy Sample, about this move. Because people take this chance all the time. So... We'll get Billy Sample back on the show and we'll see what he thinks. I think it was quite a risk, but you really got to believe in yourself, you know? I say good for you, Aaron Judge. This year, I was in Anaheim as the Yankees faced the Angels and we got to see Aaron Judge hit number 50. We got to see it live. One last note on this. The arrogant guy that caught Judge's 60-second home run ball bragged about how rich he is and um 
and how he didn't need the money, and he even turned down an offer from Hal Steinbrenner to buy the ball for $3 million. Expecting he would get more at auction, he turned it down. Problem is, this guy didn't wait until after the holidays and after the baseball season started up. But instead, he decided to auction it off while people are buying Christmas gifts, etc. So instead of getting $3 million for the ball, he sold it at auction for $1.5 million, taking a $1.5 million loss. Frankly, I'm glad he got screwed. I didn't like this guy from the get-go. <laughs> that is our Christmas show for Season 4, Episode 35. That's right. We are enjoying. That's it, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, we here at JV to the Pros want to wish all of you a very happy holiday, and we wish you all the best for whatever holiday you celebrate. We celebrate Christmas, but it doesn't matter what holiday is yours, because we do wish you all the best for a happy and healthy holiday this year. <clears throat> As many of you know, I was on the Price is Right with Drew Carey. But I fell in love with the show back in the day when Bob Barker was the host. Well, a few days ago, Bob Barker turned 99 years old. That's as close as you can get to 100 without going over. I really hope that this time next year, we are wishing Bob Barker a happy 100th. All the best, Bob Barker. I would like to wish... One of my favorite TV producers who brought us All in the Family and several other shows. That's Norman Lear, who just turned 100 years young. And he's still producing TV shows at 100 years old. That's amazing. Well, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, for being loyal to the show and for your feedback on our Facebook page. That Facebook page, of course, is JV to the Pros, and our Instagram, which is JV to the Pros, and you're welcome to email us with any comments and compliments at JV to the Pros at gmail.com. That's right. We'd like to thank our sponsors, our ongoing, consistent sponsors, Rob Van Dam with his magical, miraculous CBD oil. And we'd like to thank Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer, and producer Karen, the queen of Queens, New York, for putting together all the loose ends once I get done doing my thing on this show. She researches and compiles all the visuals that you see on our social media pages. She pushes through just gathering all the all the info and, and pictures and I'd like to say that you know you know this isn't by far 
Karen's biggest responsibility each week. I mean, she makes time to provide you guys with a quality presentation with each episode of this show, and I want to thank her for that effort. So, until we get together again for news, sports, and odd stuff, please stay safe and healthy. I'm Jack Vecchio, and this is JV to the Pros, Season 4, Episode 35. Enjoy your Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or however you celebrate your holiday. Definitely. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Yes. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go Laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring Making our spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing Slaying song tonight That is a jingle, jingle, jingle bells. That's right. All right, folks, I'd say that was a pretty darn good show. You enjoy your holiday.